All right, good morning. So uh, we have a lot to be thankful for, right? Um, we come in, it's decorated for Christmas. Everybody's all excited. You know, you can kind of feel a buzz in the air. Uh, if you have young kids, they're all excited counting down to Christmas. Or uh, our youngest is actually looking past Christmas to her birthday a couple of days later, and she's excited for that. Um, but there's just an excitement in the air. And as we've been going through Philippians and talking about joy, and as we've been singing this morning about joy and celebration, um, it's, it's been a neat time for us as a pastoral search team to kind of reflect on um, how God has brought us along this journey. It's been a long time for our church uh, without a pastor. And uh, we're excited to be able to stand up here this morning and just share a little bit about where we are now, where we've come from, and where we're going. So um, first, where we are now. We have officially a job opening posted and listed, and we are accepting resumes. That's awesome, right? Can we clap for that? Um, so it's been a long time coming, um, and, and Jerry's going to come up in a little bit too and tell you a little bit about where the job is posted, how you can help us with that part of the process. But what I want to talk to you about is where we've come from. So um, you can see the picture up on the screen behind me there. That was taken in August. So we had a meeting as a search team together with the elders in August. Um, and just a powerful symbolic moment uh, right before Labor Day where the elders, we, we met together and then the elders asked the search team to stand up um, kind of close in a huddle and then they came and laid hands on us and prayed for us and it was just a real touching time just committing this process to the Lord knowing that um, you know we don't want to count on our wisdom because um, if God's not in this then why are we doing it in the first place? We need God's wisdom and His discernment and leading so we've been praying that way throughout the process so I want to show you what we've been doing since then, because some of you are thinking, well, you've been meeting every single week since Labor Day, and it took you three months to post a job. Well, let me show you a little bit about why. So here's our website, which if you've not checked out our new website, definitely get in there, check it out. Uh, if you click on this little tab up here, and then scroll down to contact, and then down a little bit more to employment. So this is where the job is posted. So if you know of anybody or you want to point anybody in our direction, this is how you do it. Um, current opening, lead pastor. And I'm not going to go through all of this, right? But I, what I want to show you is this is here for you guys to look at, all right? So we're not, everything we've worked on is out there, all right? So we're not doing anything in secret. There's nothing hidden. Um, and then if you click on church profile packet, so you can see at the bottom, this is a 22-page document. I'm not going through this, or Ray will not get a chance to preach. But I want to show you what, what it is, okay? So this is what we're showing candidates who are considering applying for our lead pastor position. Um, you can see there's a table of contents here. Sorry, it's a little hard to do this with one hand. I'm used to the iPad where I scroll, so bear with me. I'm jumping around a little bit. Well, we have the mission and vision of Mount Calvary Church, which we've talked about before, that Mount Calvary Church exists to passionately pursue Christ. And then as we go through, we created different profiles. And so, yes, we met once a week as an entire pastoral search team, but outside of that, we had task groups. We had subcommittees that were working on all these different profiles. Um, so we had a group that worked on a church profile, talked about our past, talked about some of the cultural shifts in our, in our church, um, how our church government is structured, all of these things a candidate is going to want and need to know, uh, presenting our present, you know, what does Mount Calvary look like now, when do we meet, what are your ministries, all these questions candidates are going to want to know. Uh, we had a profile written about the uh, Christian school, 
and this is a page I'm sure you'll want to check out, uh, the pastoral profile. What are we looking for in a pastor? A lot of this information is what does the Bible say about being an elder? What does the Bible say about being an overseer? Um, what does our church constitution say about being uh, a, a pastor here? Um, and the responsibilities of elders and in the qualifications of the lead pastor and in what is our lead pastor going to be doing? All of these things uh, we've been working hard on together with the elders, uh, getting some of their input on these crucial items. Um, and in the procedure and hiring process, there was another group that went through and built a profile on uh, the community, both Elizabethtown and then also surrounding communities. Just talking a little bit about the demographics. Um, you know, what people do here, what are the challenges, what are some of the ministries that are in our organization or in our communities, real estate statistics, uh, some good stuff there too for somebody who may be looking to move into the area from out of state or out of the region. Um, some pictures, description of the property, this room looks, should look familiar, uh, the gym, a little aerial shot. And then we've asked applicants to fill out some questions, uh, just some brief questions. Uh, the purpose of this is to avoid uh, the, the resume shotgun approach for the guy who's just sitting there and firing off 20 resumes in a night hoping one of them sticks. Uh, if he gets to this and sees, oh, I have to fill out questions, maybe, maybe he'll make sure he's interested before he does that. But, um, and in the last page is submission instructions. We have a, an email address set up. It's called pastoralsearch at mountcalvarychurch.com. And that's the way that we are receiving resumes and receiving uh, the application questions. So that's a little bit about where we are now. Um, and I just want to thank you for the opportunity to serve in this way. It's, it's really been a blessing. Every single member of our search team, um, this has just been a tremendous joy for us. It's been a challenge. It's been a lot of work. But uh, there's just a great sense of unity. And we're just so thankful for God's faithfulness to us. Um, just throughout this entire process, it's been evident that God has just been leading and guiding. And so... We're just thankful for the opportunity to serve you in this way. Okay, um, where we are now, um, we do have the, uh, this application process moving forward. And uh, the, the one thing we've done as a committee that, that really was good for me was we had Pastor Dan uh, bring a devotional each week uh, just to encourage us the qualifications go over the qualifications but to encourage us that God is behind this uh, okay and we, we could sense that uh, through this whole process we, we could sense that and in a minute I'm going to tell you where you guys all fit in uh, but we do have uh, we do have this application process going we've sent it out to several uh, universities colleges uh, a couple of those are LBC these are these are the places we felt would be in line with where we are doctrinally and where we're at as far as a church. Uh, so Lancaster Bible College, and some of this, some of the reasons where we had personal contacts at some of these places where we could get our information in and somebody would take care of it while it's there, making sure everything is right and, and uh, just to try to avoid any mistakes on our part. Uh, but we have it out at LBC, uh, Karen, uh, the old uh, uh, Philadelphia Biblical, uh, Liberty, Bob Jones, Cedarville, uh, Clark Summit, which I think is now called Summit University and, and Seminary, Word of Life, Southern Seminary in Grand Rapids. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you all can't be a part of this process by if you know someone that is interested or you think would be a good fit, uh, you can get them to uh, get the application and get it sent in to us, okay? What, what we're doing right now is we, we put that out, I believe it was the Monday after Thanksgiving, is that right, Carl? Uh, that was put out the Monday after Thanksgiving. 
um, and we are going to accept applications until January 31st. Okay. In the in the meantime, when these applications come in, uh, when they start coming in, we're going to pray over them, and we're going to get back to the people. We're not going to start the second process until January, uh, but we will try to get back to people as soon as we can with a yes or no. Um, and um, I stand up here telling you now that what we've done so far was the easy part. Uh, putting this packet together, nobody got hurt. Um, everything was, was good. Um, and, and folks, let me tell you, when, when you look at 11 people put together, um, that we did, none of us picked each other, we were put together. Uh, and you can sense God doing that just by the way things went. It went so well uh, that you could sense God being in it, okay? Uh, and we want to thank you all for praying while, while we've been doing this. Um, but anyway, the hard part comes now because we are looking for one. And we're probably going to get a lot. And we're going to be saying no a lot. Um, but, but we really want God's man. That's, that's our goal, is not to put our preferences first, but to get God's man. It would be great if Saul or Samuel could come back and anoint someone for us. Wouldn't that be great? I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, so that's why God gave us his spirit uh, to lead us. And that's, that's what we're, we're going for now. So if you know someone who would like to fill out a, an application, please have them do that. Uh, we're going to try to get back to these people. Whoever sends in an application, we're going to try to respond within two or three days that we're going to move forward with them or we're, we're not. Okay? Um, and that, that's, that's a scary process. So there's where you all come in. Um, we can sense your prayers throughout the first part of this, but we really need everybody praying now because um, we're praying every day. And we want you to do that as well. We want you to pray every day that as these applications come in, that God would, would lead us in the way that we should go. Okay? So uh, we're asking for that. Um, and then uh, in January, we will start interviews, phone interviews if they're out of the area, or interviews here if, if they're in the area. Okay? So, again, the, the best thing you can do for us is pray for us. Um, and just uh, we, we, we want God's man, and that's, that's our goal. And we feel if we get God's man, that will be good. Uh, if we try to put our own people in, that's not good. Okay? So um, I'm going to pray now, and then uh, Joe's going to come and, and pray as well, okay, as soon as I'm finished, okay? So if you would uh, bow with me now, we're going to ask God's continued blessing on, on this process. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. Uh, Father, this time of year as we think about Christmas, as we see the decorations and we, we heard the music uh, that, was, uh, that we, we sang this morning, um, we just realized what an awesome God you are, that you cared enough to send Jesus, your son, uh, to be born uh, the way he was uh, in, a, in a manger just to be born that perfect sacrifice because that's what he became for us each one of us as he died later on the cross for for all of us uh, so father we we know of your goodness to us uh, we are thankful for this process that we've been going through we are thankful for your goodness in leading us thus far 
Uh, we pray for your continued blessing upon this process that, uh, that you would be glorified um, and that you would be exalted and that when you finally send your man here, uh, that, that we would know that for sure and we would accept your choice for the pastor of our church and that we would just be able to move forward and become the church that you want us to be. Uh, I just pray that we would be faithful in, in praying every day uh, for this person, uh, for each one that, that serves on this, this search committee, uh, for each one who serves on the uh, elder board and the deacon board as their involvement is part of this as well, uh, and for each one of us that you would be preparing our hearts for the person you are going to bring and that we would be able to move forward and just uh, be more of a blessing here in Elizabethtown and this surrounding area than we already are. I just thank you for all that, that's been accomplished and all that you're doing and what you're going to accomplish. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like the pastoral search team to stand so you can see who those individuals are if they're here. I think we need to be very thankful for these people for what they've done. Thank you. Let's pray for them and let's pray for um, what God has for us in the future. Father, we thank you that you have put together this team as Carl and Jerry have shared with us and they have worked diligently to compile what is necessary to put out there to find the person that you have. Ultimately, we realize that it is you who will choose the one for us. It's not our choice. And we ask that you might lead and direct. We thank you for what Carl and Jerry and B.J. Allen and Elizabeth and Leah and Dan Eby, Pastor Dan Gilbert, to Tim Nicholas, and Pastor Jonathan, Jan Bird and Lowell Olson have undertaken on our behalf for the purpose of planning the way ahead, but knowing that you will guide and direct in what is shared, that you will lead the right person to be, as Jerry has prayed, as Carl has said, God's man for this ministry, that this ministry might prosper for your glory, and that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ might be strengthened here in this place and beyond because of the man you have in place. Help us to submit to your will, to your purposes, and to realize that you will lead as we pray and as we seek your face. You will bring about your will and your purposes in these days ahead. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. All right. Good to be with you guys this morning. I, uh, I realized before, uh, before we got here this morning that I missed being here last week, right? Uh, whenever, I mean, we were in Kentucky visiting family. That's a good reason to be gone, right? Uh, and we were at church uh, with my wife's family, and I, I greatly enjoy that, enjoy the men there that, uh, that we've gotten to know through the years. But I missed being here, uh, and it wasn't until we walked in this morning that I probably realized how much uh, and so I hope that, that you miss being here when you're not here and you're out visiting family or you're away. Uh, I pray that, that you would miss uh, being here because this is a special community, a special family of faith, uh, and I hope you've experienced that. Uh, 
So we're going to be finishing up uh, the book of Philippians today. And so if you have a a Bible or a smart device, uh, if you turn to Philippians chapter 4, we'll get to our text in just a moment um, as we finish up the joy of the Lord. So I got a, I got, how many of you know what this is? So this is the Target toy book, right? And so uh, we got two of them this year. Uh, And so what we did is we we gave them to our kids and we said, hey, can you take a look and and let us know what what you might like this year? One of my sweet and dear children circled almost 70 things in this book. (laughs) And so I went back to this sweet and dear child that I love very dearly. And I said, hey, what could you pick out, you know? four or five things that you maybe like more than others, uh, they didn't get past page two, right? I mean, page two, they had eight or nine items that they're like, oh, I got to have that. Uh, And Target puts the expensive items in the first two pages. (laughs) So, um, you know, so this is a toy book, but I think this is evidence that you don't have to teach children uh, to be sinners, right? We're, we are just naturally selfish uh, and want and greedy. And so uh, my dear children, and I'm confident that your children uh, are, are not different than mine. Mine are not unique in that. And so um, there's always more, right? I mean, it, our society thrives on this idea that you're missing something in your life. You really are. You're missing that bigger house, right? You're missing that, that new phone. Uh, I mean, I, I, I was, we were looking, we were talking about phones this week, and I didn't realize there was an iPhone 8 and then an iPhone X. I'm like, okay, I, I have an iPhone 6, and I thought that I was pretty, I was pretty up to date, right? But I'm apparently years behind. There's always something more, right? There's always something newer or better or something that you don't have. And so as we look at Philippians, the end of Philippians today, Paul's going to finish and he's going to give us the challenge of having joy in contentment, having joy in contentment. Uh, And so uh, we've come a long way uh, over these last nine weeks as we've studied through the book of Philippians, and I've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it. uh, That uh, Paul, uh, and I hope that you've seen as we've worked through the letter, uh, Paul having a pastoral heart, dearly loving the church, and a church that dearly loves him. Uh, And he's constantly rejoicing throughout the book, right? He's constantly uh, praising God and giving thanks to God. Now, at the high, we got to understand, right? So going, giving, going back to context, in case you've missed some of it, uh, Paul's not in the best of circumstances, right? He, he's, not, uh, he's not at the height of success. He, he hasn't built the large, largest church. He doesn't have great power and prestige uh, by the world's eyes. Paul is sitting in jail, chained to a Roman guard right? Every day in and day out. Uh, for years, he's, he's, been in, he's been in prison. And while he's in jail, he hears stories. He hears uh, things come back to him about other men who are preaching the gospel, and yet they're discrediting Paul, right? They're, 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 they're putting Paul down and trying to steal away, in essence, those people that respect him. Uh, and so he, he's in jail, and people are discrediting him. Uh, there, there are men that are preaching for their own glory rather than God's glory. Some of the church in different parts of the world are suffering from persecution. And yet in all of those things, 
Paul is able to rejoice. He's found reason after reason to rejoice. And so 15 times throughout the book of Philippians, uh, Paul rejoices. He has joy. Uh, he, he, in, in this very short letter, he, he finds reasons. He rejoices because of what Christ has done in, in his life. He rejoices because he's been forgiven of his sin. He rejoices because in Christ he has a future hope. He rejoices because of love and the care of the Philippian church that they've shown to him. He rejoices because they're partners with him in the gospel. He rejoices because he sees God at work in and through them. Over and over, Paul is finding reasons to rejoice and to have joy despite his circumstances, despite where he finds himself and, uh, and what could be a very hopeless situation. And so today, as we wrap up, Paul's going to kind of, he's going to give us the picture of contentment. Knowing that God is sovereignly in control of all things, he is content being where he is. Today, for you and me, the challenge is that in this season of wanting more, because I, my, my kids are no different than me, right? I, 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 we can laugh about the 70 things in the, in the toy book, but my toys are just more expensive, right? In the season of wanting more, that we would find joyful contentment in Christ. Let's pray, and then we'll jump into our passage. Heavenly Father, God, you, you are, I pray that you would be our all in all. God, that you would be everything that we, we, we dream and desire. Uh, God, Lord, that, that you, would, uh, you, you, you would fill us with joy. And Lord, you'd help us to be content knowing that we're walking with you and that we are where you want us to be. Uh, God, I pray that you speak to us powerfully through your word. You tell us your word does not return void. And we pray that it work through our hearts today and that you draw us to you. You help us to worship you. Lord, you help us to give you areas of our lives that, we, that we're holding back. And Lord, that you would draw men unto yourself. God, you are good. Lord, help us to see and worship uh, uh, your goodness in, your, in Scripture today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, the first thing that I want us to see is find joyful contentment through obedience to God. That's what we're going to see in the first four verses. Find joyful contentment through obedience to God. Verses 10 through 14. It'll be on the screen if, if you don't have a copy. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I, ha I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Verse 10 and 14, uh, in these first few verses, this gives us the picture of community, right? So find joyful contentment through obedience to God by living in community. And so verse 10 and 14, you, you see that, uh, that, that, that the Philippians are concerned about Paul and that they, in verse 14, that they have shared uh, his affliction with him. And this is a picture, right? This is a picture of what community is, what the family of faith is. They were concerned about Paul and his well-being and they ministered to him. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. God has not designed us to go through life alone. 
God has not designed us to, uh, to kind of uh, do, to, to be independent and to work through life on our own. He has not designed us to be self-sufficient. He's not designed us to pull us up, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. God has, has designed us to be dependent upon him and he's designed us to be in community with others. He's designed us. We, we need that. We need to, we need each other and each other to serve us. But in, in our culture, we have a, we have a, a cultural indiviz, individualism, right? In our culture, it, it's at odds with the idea that, that we need each other, right? We're, we're too embarrassed to admit when we need something. I, I don't want to ask. You're too busy. I, it's too big of a burden, right? We're too embarrassed uh, to, to ask for help and support from others. We're too prideful to accept help when it's offered, right? You ever, you, you've done that. I've done that, right? Somebody comes and they know that you need, you need something. You say, hey, can I help you with that? You say, no, it'll be okay, right? We're too prideful to accept help oftentimes. We're too embarrassed to ask for it. And we live in a society that, that demeans weakness and failure. And so we're afraid. We're afraid of truly admitting how weak we are. We're, true, we're, we're afraid of admitting that we need help, uh, that, that, that somebody could help us. And our culture also promotes this, this, this idea of, 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 of independent, self-centered thought that, that we're just not concerned about other people. The way that the Philippian church here in verse 10 and 14 illustrate for us the idea of community. We, we, we just, we're too busy or, or we have other things in our own lives that are important and are weighing on us that we don't even think about it. Have I thought about, about, about you this week and said, oh, I should call them. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I don't have time, right? It, 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 slips, it slips out of my mind because I just don't have the time to be concerned because I'm consumed with my own life. Looking back at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, uh, Paul said, Do nothing from selfish, and selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interests of others. See, this idea of community, right? Living in obedience or uh, being obedient to God by living in community. This idea of community draws us out of ourselves and says we have to focus on uh, each other. We have to, we have, we, we have to uh, be together. Uh, many of us give very little thought to the interests of others, not because, maybe not because we don't care or because we're not a good person, but because we just have so many other things going on. And this is why, so this is my plug, right? the life groups director. Um, this is why life groups are so important because on Sunday morning, you may have 10 or 15 minutes to interact with people. If you get here early and you stay a few minutes after, you may have 10 to 15 minutes to interact with other people on Sunday morning, but that's not enough. It's not enough to uh, build community and caring, uh, a caring environment. You don't develop true concern for one another unless you're more involved in their life. And when you care about others, there's great joy and contentment there. One of the things I, so I'm going to brag on my life group. Uh, our, our life group meets on Mondays. And if you don't have a life group and you're, you're available on Mondays, then uh, let me know. But, uh, you know, Morgan and I look forward to going to life group. We're small. We're there, You know, there's just a few of us in the group. But, but when we meet, we know that they care about us and we care about them. And, and, and we, we leave energized, right? I mean, the kids are running around and they're crazy and they're loud, <laughs> but we don't leave tired and exhausted. We leave energized because we've just spent time with people that care about us and that we care about deeply. And so the idea of, of, of living in community, this, I, this is how God has designed us. And there is joyful contentment in knowing that there are other people that care about you. 
There's a lot of people in our world today, and maybe you here today, that they just don't feel like anybody cares. That there's nobody in their life that would take them seriously or give concern for them. As a church, we do it through life groups, we do it through serving together uh, and, and, and otherwise. And so find joyful contentment through obedience to God by living in community. Not hard, but it is an investment. Also, find joy. Second thing in these verses is I want to find joyful contentment through obedience to God by living in the will of God. If you look at verses, you know, verses eleven through thirteen, right, right smack in the middle. So Paul, in verse ten, he rejoices because they cared about him. In verse eleven, he 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 kind of says, "You gave me a gift, and and you were concerned about me." In verse eleven, he's like, "But I don't need anything else. Please don't send uh, another gift, right? Please, please, I don't need anything else." Because in verse 12, he says, I found, I found a way, or in verse 11 and 12, I found a way to be content, whether I have humble means or whether I live in prosperity, whether I, I'm, I'm, I'm filled or I'm hungry in abundance or suffering of need. In all circumstances, he has found contentment. He's in jail, right? He is in jail and he has found contentment. Contentment because he is in the perfect will of God. He is exactly where God wants him to be and where God desires for him to be. Earlier in the book, we found out, right, for the, uh, for the progress of the gospel, you know, he, he's in jail so that the whole Praetorian Guard might learn about Jesus Christ, that they, he might get to share with them because they're chained to him. They can't run away, right? Uh, captive audience. Um, and then he's going to get to proclaim the gospel to Caesar. And so he, he sees this, he's content because he knows that he is exactly where God wants him to be. Oftentimes we think contentment's gonna come when, when we get out of whatever trial that we're in currently, right? Whenever the seas aren't so rocky and, and, and the waves aren't so high, whenever it doesn't look so scary, that's when we're gonna have contentment, right? When my, when my kids uh, are perfect angels, right? Uh, when, when I get the promotion at work or when, I, uh, when we go on that vacation, whatever it might be, we think we can find contentment by changing our environment, right? By, by, by changing the circumstances that we live in. But Paul is showing us that he found contentment because he's in the perfect will of God. He knows that and he believes that and it brings him great comfort because he knows that his God is sovereign. I mean, he's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten and whipped, he's in jail, and now he's just waiting in jail. And he can't go throughout the book of Philippians. He, he's told them about how much he cares for them, and he can't go and see them, and he can't go and see the other churches. This is the greatest missionary that we would say has ever lived, and he can't go out and do mission work. And yet he's content. He's content. He's content because he is exactly where God wants him to be doing exactly what God wants him to be doing. See, contentment's not something that we can manufacture. It's not something that can be found uh, with more money or a new job or a promotion. It's not something that can be found on the perfect vacation or by getting the perfect body. Earlier in last week, Joe spoke, uh, he preached on the first part of this chapter in verse seven. He's, Paul speaks of the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension or all understanding. That peace, that joyful contentment is found by being in the perfect will of God. Verse 13, so bringing it back, right? In verse 13, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is a popular verse, right? People like this verse. Um, I can do all things uh, through him who strengthens me. But it's not 
right? This is where we, 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 we sometimes will misapply it. It's not, I can succeed at all things, right? It's not that I can accomplish a great task. No, what Paul is saying in verse 13 is, I can be content in all things because Christ strengthens me. Wherever I find myself, in whatever circumstances, whatever God's plan for me, I can find contentment. Win or lose, right? Win or lose, abundance or need, filled or hungry, I can be joyfully content in Christ because I know I'm where he wants me to be. Many of us are not content. And if you're not content today, maybe you're not where God wants you. Maybe there's something in your life that that you're holding on to and you say, God, I know that you don't want this for me, but I'm not giving this up. Maybe there's something in your life, some, there, there's a sin in your life that you say, God, I, I, I know it's wrong, but forgive me. I'm not going to give it up. God, you're, it's almost like we're telling God you're withholding something good from me, right? It's like, God, this is, I, I want this. You don't want this for me. I'm not going to give it to you. Maybe you're not content because you're holding on to sin. Maybe you're not content because you're looking for satisfaction. You're looking for, uh, for that contentment in something other than Jesus Christ. You have time to go and spend 10 or 12 hours a day at work, but you don't have time 15, 20, 30 minutes a day to look at his word and find contentment in that. You, you have time to, to, to go and spend one or two weeks on vacation, but, but you can't find time to serve for one hour a week and doing what he wants you to do. We look for contentment in all the ways that the world has, but if you ever look at advertising, right? You ever look at the commercials that are on television or in the billboards or whatever it is, the whole idea is you cannot be happy until you have this, right? You got the new car, right? You got the car with the bow uh, at Christmas time, right? You know, you can't be happy unless that's, what, that's what's parked out front. You can't be happy about, uh, unless, unless you got the newest phone or, or whatever it is. And I, I'm not any different. Maybe you're not content today because you're not in the perfect will of God and you're seeking fulfillment, fulfillment and happiness through other things that don't satisfy and don't last. But when Paul says that he, in verse 11 that he's learned to be content in whatever circumstances that he is, don't confuse this contentment with complacency, right? This is not just, I'm going to accept my circumstances, right? I, I'm kind of a, a, I'm more of a glass is half empty kind of guy. Uh, I'm more of a pessimist than an optimist. My wife uh, challenges me. Uh, faith is not my spiritual gift of the spiritual gift test. I took the place, uh, the place uh, um, exam or the place tests and, and faith was at the bottom. Okay. So <laughs> I, I'm kind of a guy that's half empty at times. And um, where was I going other than just telling you how bad I was? Um, <laughs> complacency right? Um, you know, the contentment, don't confuse contentment for complacency of, I'm just going to accept my, I'm just going to accept my circumstances, right? It's not, it's not this idea of defeatism. That's where I was going, defeatism. Um, it's not this idea that, that, okay, I can't do anything to change uh, the, my circumstances or what's going on in my, on in my life. That's not what contentment is. Contentment, uh, complacency says, I should just accept my circumstances. Nothing's going to change. It's, almost, it's a defeatist attitude. It's an idea that, okay, God, I'm not going to enjoy this. I'm going to sit here because 
I don't have control and you do, right? So we accept God's sovereignty, but we say, God, I'm going to sit and grumble. Mm -hmm. Yep, not going to be happy, but I'm going to do it because you're sovereign, right? But contentment says whether my circumstances change or not, if I'm where God wants me to be doing what God wants me to be doing, then I'm okay. Contentment says, contentment says whether, whether I work in a job that, uh, that I'm not noticed or whether I'm the president of some company that is out front. Or whether we drive, drive a new car or a car that has 200,000 miles and is 10 years old. It doesn't matter. Contentment says, God, where you want me, that's enough. Where you want me, what you want me doing, that's sufficient. Maybe today to be in the perfect will of God, to find joyful contentment, you need to make a change in your life. You need, you need to repent of something in your life that you've been holding on to and you've been putting ahead of God and say, God, you'll love me even if I don't give this up. You'll love me even if I don't uh, go and do what you've asked me to do because the cost is too high. And maybe today to be in the perfect will of God, first you have to surrender your life to him. We talk, we talk about the baby coming and being born and, and the wonder of Christmas, but Jesus didn't stay a baby, right? Jesus didn't stay a baby. He's God in the flesh, and he lived a perfect and sinless life, and he died on the cross for you and for me. And so his desire is that we would give our lives to him. His desire is that we would make him the Lord of our lives and that we would trust him, that he would be our master, that, that we would follow after him, and that through him we'll find contentment. Through a personal relationship with him, we'll find that joyful contentment. And if either of those is you today, you've been struggling with being discontent, I'll tell you a piece of good news, is you have a loving father. You have a loving father that regardless of your circumstances, you know that he is looking out for your good and his glory. So the second thing we're going to look in, the, in Philippians chapter 4 as we finish up is find joyful contentment in the provision of a loving father. Find joyful contentment in the provision of a loving father. Verses 15 through 23. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left, left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit, which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And now to our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you, and all the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. In verses 15 through, uh, or in verse 10, Paul rejoiced because they shared concern with him. In verse 15, we begin to see how uh, frequently in the previous times that they've shared concern for Paul, where they, they, they've, they've, they've ministered to him and they've sent gifts. Now, it's interesting. Paul never says thank you, right? If you read through these verses, Paul never says thank you to them. He gives praise to God. He gives thanks to God. He, he rejoices in the Lord. 
He never tells them thank you, though. He, 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 he's, his focus is on God because the Philippians, in this instance and in other times, they are an inst- God's instrument of grace and mercy. Paul sees that the good that they've done to him, the gifts that they've given to him, are not from them, but they are from the Lord. They, his Father in heaven who loves him has provided for every need. See, it's difficult. Sometimes we, we challenge ourselves. We, we say, hey, you need to be a blessing to somebody, right? Or we ask you the question, who can you be a blessing to? And it's the idea of, can you give a gift? Can you go and serve? Can you support or help? But you're not the blessing. You're not the one that's blessing them. It is God blessing them through you. You're not the one meeting the needs. God is the one that is meeting the needs through you. We are God's faithfulness to others in serving and giving and showing love and grace. We are God's instrument of goodness and mercy in that moment when we help someone and serve someone or give. And it is God showing them that he is a loving father. James chapter 1 verse 17. And Quick plug, on Sunday nights in January, we're going to start uh, through the book of James. Uh, so, so come and join us if you're not involved in one of the other ministries. But James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Paul never says thank you to the Philippians because his joy is that God, his Father in heaven, loves him. And he loved him enough not only, to, not only to die on the cross for him, but to continually and regularly meet his needs in his life. And he doesn't say thank you to the Philippians because he is giving praise to God, right? In verse 20, he reminds them all glory forever and ever be to God the Father. He never says thank you because it is God who is supplying all of his needs. But there's that tension, right? I mean, there's still this tension. We, we say that God doesn't need us. I say it. I, I don't know if you say it. But I say God doesn't need us because he's sovereign, right? He has all power. Uh, he's everywhere. He knows all things. Uh, he doesn't need us. And yet there's this tension that he uses us. Right? He wants to use us to be a blessing and to, to minister and to show his faithfulness to others. He uses our faithfulness. So in these verses, and Paul is, is kind of reiterating to the Philippians how they've helped him over and over more than anybody else. Right, Even when he was with other churches, they sent needs. In verse 16, even when he was in Thessalonica, they sent him needs. They, they, they sent him gifts uh, to meet his needs. Paul doesn't say thank you because God deserves glory. Because God, uh, because God was the one that was meeting all of his needs. And so Paul is, Paul is thanking and praising God for the Philippian church and their generosity. Uh, God has used their faithful giving, which was born out of love and concern for Paul. And it was God's goodness, God's provision, and God's love that was on display. But in verse 18, or sorry, 19, um, Paul challenges or encourages them, and he says, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He says that their gift was a pleasing aroma, that it, that it was a sacrifice uh, uh, for God, that God was pleased with it. In verse 19, he says, God will supply all your needs too. But here's the thing. I think they already knew that. I think the Philippian church already understood the fact that God would supply all their needs because you can't be generous unless you know that God is going to provide all your needs. 
Because when we're scared, when we're concerned, we, we, we hold back, we hoard, right? Um, we, we, I can't be generous because I gotta save up for that day when the car's gonna break down, right? I, I can't be generous because, because I, gotta, I gotta save for Christmas and make sure that, that we have enough things under the tree, right? We, you can't be generous when you don't fully believe that God is gonna provide for all your needs. But when you do, the Philippian church See, I think they already know what verse 19, they already, they're already living it because they are generous, overwhelmingly generous to Paul, and they continue to give, maybe even to the point that Paul's like, yeah, you guys have given too much, but God's going to take care of you. We're con- when we're confident that God will supply all of our needs, we can be generous like the Philippian church, and they believe that God was their loving father and it brought them joyful contentment. Many do not believe that God is a loving father. We know it, right? Every time, sometimes in your head, you know exactly what, what is truth, but your heart doesn't fully accept it. And so we build up all, this, all these things. Uh, we, we're in a time as a church where we could, we could question the goodness of God and that he's a loving father, right? But our security, our hope, our joy, and our contentment is the fact that he is still our God and he is sovereign, our, our joy and contentment is not that we're going to get a pastor one day, right? Our joy and contentment will not be when the pastor gets here. Our joy and contentment is the fact that God is sovereign and that he loves us and that he died for us and that he will meet all of our needs today and tomorrow as we walk with him in complete obedience. We struggle with contentment because we want more. I wish I wanted more of Christ. I wish that I wanted more of Jesus because if I did that, then I'd find contentment. Christmas is 22 days away. Um, counting down, if you're a school teacher, you probably have the numbers uh, on your board on, on how many days are left. But uh, we have three children, and the same thing, we've experienced the same thing with all the children. So I'm confident that this, this may be similar for some of you. Um, as it, when we, I remember the. Um, at baby's first Christmas, whether it was Andrew, Catherine, or Abby, the first Christmas, um, they're not really involved, right? I mean, even if they're, they were born right, at, right around Christmas and they were one year old, um, they're really not involved. They're, there's not a lot that they can do. They don't unwrap a lot of presents. Uh, they, they get a lot of toys <laughs> and they get some clothes maybe, but they're really not involved. If it's second Christmas or third Christmas, depending on when they're born, um, they see the presents under the tree and they get kind of excited and it's like, oh, this is awesome. But then you go to open the presents and, and, and you're excited to give them the first present and they need to unwrap it themselves, right? They need to unwrap it themselves. And so their tiny little hand reaches and, and they, they pull the tiniest sliver of, of wrapping paper off the present and, you, and you, everybody kind of smiles, oh, that's so cute. And, and you help them finish up the first gift. By the third gift that they're unwrapping, you're like, okay, <laughs> this is gonna take forever. The siblings are no longer being patient and mom and dad are like, this is we're going to be here till dinner. Um, and so, you know, by, but they also get tired. They're, they have no interest. They get one or two things. The first things they open, they love. That's good. That's sufficient. They're content. By the time they get to be five years old, they circle 70 things in a toy book. Right? They, they aren't content. When they get older... Uh, they, 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 they look at a book and they want everything in it and you wonder as a parent, will they be satisfied with what they open on Christmas morning? Right? I had that thought. Like, 
I love this child, but I don't love them that much. Or maybe I do love them that much. I won't, I won't give them all everything they want. But will they even be satisfied? This Christmas, seek joyful contentment in Christ alone and find it through living a life of obedience. That's my hope and prayer for you. That you don't get caught up in wanting more. That you can find joyful contentment in Christ alone. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for being a father uh, who loves us and who provides all of our needs. Lord, I pray that this Christmas that you help us to want more of you. Lord, I pray that you help us as, as parents and grandparents, Lord, to help point our children continually and regularly to, to you uh, as being the reason we celebrate, the reason we can have joy. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. You would help us to let go in our lives of those areas that we're holding on to or uh, the sin that, that, that we don't want to get rid of our life or the things that we're resisting that you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have the strength and the courage to move forward, trusting that you love us and that you'll provide all of our needs. God, I pray that you would help us to find contentment in chasing and seeking after you. God, you are good. Help us to remember that each day that the best thing in life, the best thing that we can have in life is a relationship with you. And Lord, nothing else matters. Lord, I pray that that would be true in our hearts today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to worship you in wonder and in awe uh, because of who you are and what you've done and how much you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Ray, for that challenge. I don't know about you, but as he was uh, praying and, 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 and sharing with us, and even watching a, a piercing word here last week, I've been thinking a little bit about, uh, you know, just joy and contentment. And the fact that joy and contentment, it, it's not a result of our circumstances, and it's not about a collection of stuff. And, and the funny thing is, as Ray is preaching this morning, my phone's vibrating in my back pocket, and I pull it out, and it's my Amazon app that has a, uh, let me know what's on sale today. And I'm like, get behind me, Amazon, or Satan. Um, uh, but, uh, but joy and contentment, it doesn't come from the result of our circumstances or even collection of stuff. It comes from a relationship with Jesus. And, and living for him and doing what he wants us to do. And Ray challenged us even earlier about using this Christmas season uh, to, to make a difference for him. And, and, and just want to let you know that out in the lobby, we have, we have a, a rack full of tracks that are Christmas themed that, that are there for you to take to use this Christmas season in, in the way that you interact with people and, and, and to use that to tell the true meaning of Christmas. So can I encourage you about uh, to doing that? Also want to encourage you to join us the next four Sunday mornings. We're starting a new series. It's called uh, uh, the Christmas Playlist, Songs of the Season. And we're going to look at just a, a few of the different songs in Scripture that focus on Christmas. So hopefully you'll join us and be back here uh, these next four Sundays as, as, uh, as we look at that. Next Sunday morning, morning too. We have a combined Sunday school here in the sanctuary at 915. Jay and Debbie Shearer is going to share with us about their, their ministry and how God has called them uh, this next stage in their life. And so I encourage you to be there as well. Also, if you help in our children's ministry, uh, our, our, our t-shirts are in and they're out in the lobby. Uh, uh, you can pick them up with uh, 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 Melissa. She's out there and, and, and give them to you. But hey, thank you so much for being here this morning. Hopefully you were encouraged. And, and as we start this Christmas season, 
season, let's keep our focus on Jesus. And let's look for the opportunities that we have this, this month to make much of him. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.